0: Well, welcome to the Marty Minto Show Podcast. I am your host, Marty Minto, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. Some have called me the blue-collar theologian, helping others to understand the Word of God. Music on the Marty Minto Show Podcast is provided by Apologetics, that Christian parody band. Check them out online, apologetics.com. Look at them doodles, that's the way they view us. They say the Christians are a dead Then they worship macroevolution. for in your history. Now that ain't working. Well, it is a joy to be back with you here on the Bible Marty Bento Show podcast. You know, so many things going on in our world today, so many things that I could be talking about, but I got to be honest with you the thing to talk about that is the most important is really the Word of God, Um, our Christian faith, uh, the church today, and what is taking place. uh, Because, uh, I don't know about you, there is just so much confusion. I've said this before, and I'll say it again a hundred times over. There is much confusion in today's world when it comes to the word, the term, Christianity. Christianity. And so many people just, um, well, there are many have even expressed to me, I'm not sure what to believe. Um, because you get so many different voices from all over the place that are claiming to be the real thing, claiming to be the truth, claiming to be the right way. And in the midst of all of this confusion, um, I have really, just because of all the years I did Christian Talk Radio, been pastoring in the churches, doing conferences, evangelistic events, whatever the case may be, I just, down deep inside, I long to truly bring the truth to the people, God's Word. And um, I've shared this with so many people. I've talked about this in, I think, the last podcast and maybe some times before. I carry a Bible with me just about everywhere I go. And I do so because I'm constantly studying God's Word, but I also carry it with me to show people. There are a lot of people in these days in which we live, they they have bought into so many lies, they have believed so many things, that I open the Bible and I say, here, read this. Look what it says right here in God's Holy Word. And I do so to try to help them understand, this is not me, Marty, telling them what to believe. It's not my opinion. It's not my view. This is what God's Word says. Now, again, in the midst of it, don't get me wrong, we're going to talk about it in the days to come. We talk about that, um, well, it's called hermeneutics, and it is really a way, a principle, to help us understand um, what we're reading in God's Holy Word. And there are principle, principles in hermeneutics that we must all use. If we don't use it, well, which, be honest with you, is what's happening today in the world, that's why there is so much confusion, because there's so many people that don't use basic hermeneutical principles in studying and then proclaiming God's Word. That's why people say what they want to say, they believe what they want to believe, they take... Scripture, as I mentioned last time, they twist it, they add to it, they take away from it. I mean, there are even individuals, unfortunately but true, that are friends of mine on Facebook that are teaching things that are just not true. And the reason why we know they're not true, because they're passages, they're verses in the Bible that are taken out of context. Matter of fact, we'll find out more about that in the upcoming days, that context is everything. If you miss the context, you, miss the, you really miss the interpretation, the true biblical interpretation of the passage. We have people that don't understand what words mean. I listen to people sometimes on Facebook say things, and I cringe. Now, again, it's not because I know it all and they don't. It's because I realized that I, at one time, was much like them, if not exactly like them. When Christ saved me, it became, again, a journey of mine. It became a priority of mine uh, to know what I believe and why I believe it, but also to make sure that I rightly divided the word of truth. And along the way, it's been a journey. Along the way, it's been challenging. It's been difficult. But it is of such necessity because, as I've shared before, our three priorities of the Marty Minto Show podcast is to learn the word of God together so that we're able to teach other people, And last but not least, we're able to defend the truth when lies are being perpetrated by so many people, especially within the visible church or what they would call Christianity. And I have found myself in a whirlwind over the years. There are people that um, don't care much for me. There are people that have spoken out publicly against me. Um, There are people that get darn right angry and bent out of shape. But I I go back to say, hey, listen, if you want to sit down and reason with me from the Word of God, let's do it. But also, you got to realize it can't be just because you say it. Just because you believe something, or this is your opinion, that somehow we must hold on to it. Or just because you have a big church, or you have many followers on Facebook, uh, because you're popular, or people like you, that somehow you got it. You are it in a bag of chips. You're telling the truth, and no one else is. No, it it just doesn't work that way. And and I really believe in these last days, when we speak truth, when we shed light in the midst of darkness, we are exposing lies, deception. We are bringing forward uh, truly to the people out there this is what God says, and i am got to tell you right now, you talk about spiritual warfare, you talk about uh, enemies, you talk about those coming against you, because in many cases, it really ruins all that they're doing. I have been a big, um, well, I have been very boisterous over the years about the revivals that are supposedly taking place, especially down south. And I have been beat up. I have been left to die on the streets, um, not literally, but figuratively, because of people coming against me over these things. But, 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 but I, I, I ask the tough questions that no other, nobody seems else wants to ask. I look at things and say, wait a minute, all, all these things are happening. We don't see them happening in a Bible. We didn't see him happening on the day of Pentecost. We don't see him happening in the churches when the Gentiles got saved, salvation came to the Samaritans. I mean, the list goes on. We don't see these things. We don't see this take place in the church. We don't hear uh, the preachers or the Bible teachers saying this and doing that. And and then, just as I got a text today from a dear brother in Christ, who I'll leave nameless right now, but his thing is he's been saying— that, you know, so many people want to look at the Bible as just a book of history. It's descriptive. It, it just shows in description what took place throughout history with the church, with, with the Jews, with, you know, with God and, and his creation of humans. But they don't want to accept it to be prescriptive, a prescription. In other words, we're to follow that. And see, I totally disagree, because that's what's being taught to these young uh, men who are coming out of seminary today, um, who are leading churches, youth groups, everything, that the Bible is is descriptive but not prescriptive, which I totally disagree. So in other words, it's not really an example to follow. Then Christ himself would not be an example to follow. But see, some of them would say, nah, you can't, now you're going too far. Now, no, no. See, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. It has to be, you know, it's either descriptive and prescriptive or it's not. And and he texted me because of, of, you know, this particular individual who he really believed was not demonstrating fruit, and people were flocking to this guy, and they were loving him. He was speaking at churches all over the place and everything. And next thing you know, he he divorces his wife. He's with another woman. And other things happening in his life, but guess what the visible church still thinks he's great he's a he's a, he's you know he's just he's it in a bag of chips and they're following after him and and see in the series how to study and understand God's Word once again, that's why this is so important last time I talked about false teachers I talked about those within the visible church and we want to move on and we want to go further today and uh, you know <laughs> We, we want to move to that point in place where it's going to be helpful for us. What I want to do today is I want to give you some um, very straightforward um, principles uh, for solid Bible study. And I mean this because I, I really feel like I need to interject here before we go any further in the series. Because if not, I, I think we're going to find ourselves—you know, I, I could give you all the warnings like I did in the last podcast, and I'm going to t- tell you some other things, but i got to start giving some principles and some things that are going to be helpful, some practical things here from the uh, blue-collar theologian, as some have called me. I want I want to bring it down where the rubber meets the road. I want to make it practical for you. And, and first of all, again, you've already heard me say there's a difference between reading God's Word and studying God's Word. That's the first thing I want to accomplish. We need to be students of the Word. We need to study God's Word. Now listen to this carefully, because I know that some may even tune me out when I say this. You need to find, first of all, a translation you understand. Preferably a word-for-word translation. Translation. Now, if you know anything about Marty Minto, you know anything about my history, you'll know very clearly that I preach and teach out of the New American Standard Version, the NASB. I've done so for years upon years, ever since Christ truly saved me. I began to realize as I began to um, engage in Christian education, I began to realize that those who are much smarter than I am, uh, professors in colleges, uh, those that I really um, admired, and I knew that they, you know, they knew what they were talking about. Um, at least back then, the translation that most of them used was the NASB. In um, in many cases, the 1977. Version would they they would say is the most accurate word for word, but t- today there's an updated version, and there's people like Doctor James White and others out there would tell you that even the updated version is just as you know accurate, it's just as you know it's good, it's solid. But I, I want to encourage you to find a Bible translation that you understand. Now the reason why some people are going to tune me right out because I grew up with the King James translation. And i got to be honest with you, as a kid, being in church probably more than most of you out there, one of the things I struggled with is listening to my Sunday school teacher, my preacher, and and then myself sitting in my bedroom or wherever in youth group and our leader reading from the King James. Because here's what I would say, very simply and clearly, we don't talk like that. (laughs) That's what I would say. I don't understand it. Then along the way, someone tried to convince me the reason why we use the King James is because that's the translation that the Apostle Paul and Peter (laughs) used. I said, what? Wait a minute. I thought they were Jews or Gentiles. I mean, you know, they were Jews. I said, Paul, Jew and Gentile, in the sense of both of his parents being different. But I I said to myself, wait a minute, the— When we talk about the original languages, we're talking about Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, aren't we? What are you talking about King James? There's actually people who believe that the Apostle Paul used the King James translation. I don't know how they get that, but that's—and I'm not being facetious. I've actually heard people say those things that, that just make no sense. But I used to say, listen, I can't understand the translation. Could somebody help me here? Now, I've come to realize that there are over a hundred words, maybe more, maybe a few hundred now, that what they meant in the English language over in England, amongst the people there, and underneath the role of King James himself, those words no longer even mean what they mean today, if you would read the King James translation, which is bothersome also. But it gives us an understanding about language and translation. And I think of Martin Luther, who was a monk, and he wanted so desperately to have uh, a translation of God's holy word in the uh, the language of the people. Um, I, I, I mean, you you think about translation. You think about the fact that that's what it is. It's, it's given it in a language of the people for them to understand. There have been times where I have used like a paraphrase or a thought-for-thought thought or or whatever people want to call like the NIV. And some people go, oh my goodness, that, that's, a, that's heresy. They, those books should be burned. Um, matter of fact, even today across the world, the NIV is the number one translation in the world, which is difficult for people to accept. But, but I guess my point is here, and I'm not the expert, but I, I turn to those who do. But I could tell you that there are people out there who have written books that would be helpful to you, um, books that will gain, I guess, for you. Now, you got to be careful because there's a lot of them out there that you do not want. Um, you don't want to get into people who are trying to take a particular translation and um, And they're trying to make you believe that that's the only translation that you could actually read or study that's actually correct and truthful, and the rest of them are garbage. I would encourage you to read a book by Dr. James R. White. Dr. James White. Used to be many, many years ago my in-house theologian. Great man of God. He wrote a book called The King James Only Controversy. Can You Trust the Modern Translations? Um, That's the subtitle, Can You Trust the Modern Translations? This is a good read. It's a deep read. But it's a good read. Because, once again, we have so many people out there crying even today that you can't trust all these translations. I know today amongst a lot of reform folks, uh, the English standard version the esV is huge which is a a um once again a word for word translation but the esV in its claims and I'm, I'm just trying to find it here real quick um, but they're it's a good translation but they will talk about the fact that it is um it's a translation of the Bible that, well, really comes from an essentially literal translation. Essentially literal. Well, what does that mean, essentially literal? Does it mean it's not completely literal? Well, that's basically what you come down to, but yet it's essentially literal. Um, And and again, you'll read what the people have wrote, why they have come up with this translation— Uh, ESV is a good translation out there. Um, There's other translations that are out there, too, that people read. Um, There are some that are not so good, some that are, uh, well, you need to stay away from. Um, And I know that there are, within the Christian community, like Lifeway, bookstores, and others, they have charts about... Bible translations. And so I would encourage you, you can find them online too, like what is the most literal. You you could find what grade levels. Um, There's all kinds of different things with translations. But I I guess my point here is, I find that if people don't find a translation that they understand, that kind of sits well with them, they won't study or read God's Word as often. Now, some would say that's a cop-out. It's just a cop out. But no, because I think what happens is you're lacking that being comfortable. And I know some people are going to say, okay, here we go again. It's all about the person. They got to feel good. No, no, you're missing my point. It's like when I read a book, there are certain authors out there in their writing styles, their literacy styles, that I could sit down and I could read all day long. And there's others, oh, I have such a hard time. I struggle with them. Some of them are just too deep, Uh, you know. They they do a just the way they write. They use verbiage and the ways that they write just kind of like uh, just you know. Then there's others they write they put you to sleep. I mean you're out cold and can't. Then there's others you're on the edge of your chair and you're learning. You're like wow, just you know. I find it to be the same to be the truth in translation. Now, again, I prefer the NASB because it's word for word, uh, but I enjoy reading it. And, and again, I enjoy reading the NIV. The King James, I remember a lot from when I was a child, and sometimes when I even quote, I'll use the King James, and, uh, and I realize I didn't use the NASB, but that's okay. But, but you need to find a translation that's going to be helpful to you. Um, you need to find a quiet place to study. Now, this is something that, that I really believe depends on the person that you are. I find when you study God's Word, it's good uh, to be alone. However, I'm weird. <laughs> you know where I study the Bible a lot? Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know. I have an uncanny ability, and I mean this, to tune out people. And I could get into God's word and I can do my thing there. And I'm not even, I, I wouldn't even notice if there were 100 people in the store. Now, here's something else about me I like music playing in the background, which is really strange because most people would say, find a quiet place, don't put any music on, be by yourself. You know, that's what it's all about. And see, I'm a little different. That's why I say I'm weird. Now, I'm giving you some insight into Marty Minto that maybe you would enjoy, maybe you don't, maybe you're like me. But you need to figure out what works best for you. I guess that's what I'm coming down to. We're all different. Uh, I do have good friends of mine who have a hard time reading um, passages after passages for a lengthy period of time. So I've told them, simply, shorten it down. Look at one paragraph. Look at a few verses at a time when you're studying God's Word. You don't have to study the whole chapter. They're not telling you to study the whole 66 books of the Bible. You know, some of them will say, well, listen, if I have anybody around me, whether it be my wife, my kids, anything, you know, my cell phone rings, anything, I'm done. Well, get away from your wife, away from your kids, away from your cell phone. Find that quiet place. Go sit in your car or truck if you have to. I mean, if that's what works for you, find out what works for you. But the key is you want to prepare to study God's Word. Now, in doing so, I I want you to realize, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in days coming up, but there are some some helpful reference materials that would be good for you, but I, I don't want to get into all of them right now, because I want to first and foremost stick with God's Word. Because the truth of the matter is, all you really need is God's Word, Now, some would disagree with me on that, and I probably would disagree with myself to some degree because, again, words do have meaning. Uh, There are places in the Bible that become more challenging and more difficult for us, and we may need assistance. We also know that within the church, the body of Christ, God has given us teachers. The Holy Spirit has equipped teachers to teach us. We need teachers. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. But if you have a good Bible, a translation you understand, you have references, cross-references in the Scripture, or if you have a study Bible, could be helpful to you. Uh, In many cases, all you would need is a Bible with you. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Really, you need to bring some other things, or you need to have a few other things available. Now, today, what I find helpful is I can go to my phone. Now, on my phone— my wife always says, oh, have phone's it's attached to your hip. That's all you ever do. You got that phone. Well, the phone is helpful because on my phone, I have many different things. And by the way, I love my wife dearly. 34 years of marriage, love her to death. Um, I have on my phone all these extra things that are helpful to me. I can find out the Greek words and their definition um you know right there on my phone I could look in the old testament and read a word and go to the hebrew and I could find things if I wanted to use a commentary and find out what um you know Dr MacArthur has to say uh what Charles Spurgeon had to say back in his day or somebody else I would I have it available so in, in essence you don't have to carry around a lot of books with you now I'm a book guy I like to have books but in our day of technology, whether it be my iPhone, iPad, my my computers, whatever, I have it available to me. But really, you, you need to to go take the Word of God, and you got to you know look at this book and begin to realize certain things about this book that I think a lot of people just don't understand. Uh, you you have to start with the basics. And if you don't start with the basics, what's going to happen is is you're going to lose out. Like for, for instance, let me just give to you what I would call some fun facts. It's Marty's fun facts about the Bible. First of all, do you realize that the Bible consists of 66 books? Now, some people would say, duh, don't everybody know that? No, believe it or not, that's not true. Most people don't understand that. There's 66 books— How about this one? If you're so smart, how many are in the Old Testament? Well, that's easy, 26. No, you're wrong. There's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. That's right, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Bible is kind of divided into separate sections. Um, The Old Testament, again, these are just fun facts. The Old Testament has 23,214 verses. Woo! The New Testament has 7,959. Now, obviously, we have a lot more in the Old Testament than the New. By the way, I just want to let you know that when you're dealing with many religions of the world today, many of them will deny the truthfulness, the reliability of the New Testament. Some won't go there. There are some. Matter of fact, there's been movements over years against the writing of Paul denying his apostolic authority and what he has written uh, his he, they say he writes as from a human perspective not a god divine perspective he's prejudiced against people especially women i mean there's all kind of different things uh, you know i, I mean you got to realize some of that that you're going to experience in the world and from others but we have to know that The Old Testament, there's a lot more written in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. Now, some people have said this, and I'm only, you know, kind of repeating what I've heard over the years, and I believe it to be true. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed or hidden. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed or exposed. Now, you think about that for a while. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. See, because the Old Testament, all the Bible, all 66 books talk about and point to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so in the Old Testament, you have the prophets, the minor and the major. Matter of fact, the difference between the minor and the major is the amount of of information that was spoken or written down by the prophet. And sometimes God used a prophet to give only a, a small amount. He would be considered a minor prophet. Then other prophets he gave more to, to proclaim and to put down on the parchment and to say to the people... Of Israel, etc. But it's not because one is better than the other, more important than the other, or anything like that. But you have the New Testament. Again, 27 books in the New Testament, 39 in the Old. The Bible took about 1600 years to write. Now, I already mentioned that it's written in three different languages Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. There's about 40 authors, human authors, um, when it comes to those who have written the Bible. Um, But ultimately, the author of the Bible is God, specifically God the Holy Spirit. And how we know that is based upon what God has told us in his Word— so so we need to understand this because this becomes a real this becomes a real important issue because a lot of people will proclaim, and they have, and I've dealt with this many times over and over again, they will say that you cannot trust the Bible because the Bible is nothing more than a man's book. It's not a God book. So we can't trust it. Well, here's what God says about his word through the Apostle Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Now, that word there, interpretation, doesn't mean us coming up with the answer. It means it did not originate with The individual who is speaking it or writing it. It didn't originate with them. It didn't come from them. And that's why in verse 21, it says, for no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved, and that word moved in the the Greek means to be carried along, by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So the truth of the matter is, the Holy Spirit is the author, the divine author, the Holy Spirit who is God, part of the Godhead. He is the one who has carried men along to make sure that what was spoken and what was placed down on the parchment was accurate. But ultimately, God used human authors. Now this is very important, and I'll tell you why. Because in teaching this series— how to study and understand God's Word, there are what I call the three who's. The three who's. The first who is, who did the Scriptures originate with? The answer is God. That's why the Bible's a God book. It all started with God. It did not originate with man. Man did not, on his own free will, in his own choosing, on his own desire, say, hey, you know what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to write some stuff down and say, hey, this is from God. No, that's not what happened. The first who is of the utmost importance. So anytime we study the Bible, all of the Scriptures, according to God— now listen, once again, this this just shows God defining for all of us who are reading, it tells us in the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture, not some Scripture, not a little bit of Scripture, not three-quarters of Scripture, but all Scripture is inspired, and that word inspired means God-breathed, and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All of Scripture belongs to God. He's the first who. It all originated from him. Matter of fact, if you study the prophets, you will see this. Time and time again in the Old Testament, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord said to me, God said. I mean, you will see this definement. It didn't originate with the person who was speaking or writing it on the parchment. It started with God. That's why the Bible, 66 books, again, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, over 1,600 years to write, about 40 human authors, ultimately the author is God. The Bible's a God book. That's why I tell people if you have problem with what is being said, you better take it up with God. I'm not being facetious. I'm not being smart. I'm not even trying to be ugly. I'm just being honest. Take it up with God. This is what God said. All of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture came from God. It's a God book. And that is something of the utmost importance. The second who— Remember, I told you three whos. Anytime you're studying the Bible, there are three whos. The first who is God. The second who is the human author. Now, when we say about 40 authors, it's true that some of the books, we don't know who the author is, but most of them we do. And so it's good to know who the human author is. Was it a prophet, an apostle? Uh, was it like Luke, who was a doctor? It's good to figure out who these men are. There's has been always a lot of speculation, like, for instance, the book of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. A lot of speculation. People have written books. They've even taught on this, but the Bible doesn't tell us. But we believe that the book of Hebrews is a book that came from God. But the second who in it is a human author. We just don't know who that human author is. And the third who, quickly because of our time, and again, remember, I can't give you every detail of this, of this study, but give you enough to The third who is, who's it written to? Who's, it, who's, being, who's the one listening to it? If it comes from God, you have the human author, you have the prophet, the one who's preaching it, teaching it, speaking it, then ultimately it's written down. Who's it being taught to? Who's it being spoken to? That's where I think today that third who could cause a lot of problems, and it does. There were things written in the Old Testament that are specifically written to the Jews— the children of Israel at a particular time and place in history. And though there may be principles and things that we could learn from what is spoken or what was written to them by God through the human prophet, the author, whatever the case may be, we learn from that. But the truth of the matter is it was not spoken to me. It wasn't directly addressed to me. I use this example, and I think it's a great example. If I write a love letter to my wife, and I tell my wife, you are just the greatest woman I've ever met. I've been so blessed. You're beautiful. You're loving. You're caring. You're kind. You're patient. You're all that a man could ever want and dream of. I mean, I go on. You know, I just put together this. Obviously, it came from me, right? And I'm writing this to my wife. Well, let's just say, for some reason, somehow, one day, my wife, she has this letter. Maybe she keeps it in her Bible, because it's important to her, and she, she just cherishes reading it and reminding her of my thoughts towards her. And one day, for whatever reason, the, the letter slips out of her Bible, and it falls onto a pew. And somebody picks it up. It happens to be another woman in the church. And a woman's standing there, and a couple other women gather around and say, what are you reading there? And they read this love letter that I written. I wrote, excuse me, to my wife. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the woman reading it says, "He loves me." M- Marty, lo- Mar- Marty thinks I'm great. I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. And the other women start saying the same thing. I know that sounds crazy, but that's how some people interpret the Bible. They look at it, and they automatically think everything, every jot, every tittle, every word, every sentence, everything that's in the Bible was written to them. And that's not true. It may be written for them, but not necessarily to them. In other words, we can gain things, but there were things that were written specifically to certain people at certain times. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth— I don't belong to the church at Corinth. However, I am a part of the body of Christ, many members, but yet one body. But yet what Paul writes is beneficial for me today. But I can't go around claiming it being for me in the sense of he wrote it to me. That's why when I hear about churches, you know, marching around a piece of property seven times and blowing a (laughs) trumpet— or something like that, I think to myself, what in the world are you doing? When I hear people say, like, you know, we're waiting once again for the experience, just as they experienced on the day of Pentecost. And my, my response is, you're, you're going to be waiting a lifetime because it ain't going to happen. See, because you're, you're trying to put yourself into that place and position of those who were there This wasn't written to you that you were to wait, that you were going to experience this, even though for us we can learn from what took place. Hopefully I'm making myself kind of clear. I'm doing my best I can, but there are people that just don't get that. And so they create things, they hold on to things that are just not good. And and then when you're doing that, you, you, you can also just simply ask, the questions like you would read anything else when you're reading the Bible, the who, the what, where, when, and why. I, I think when we study God's Word, we need to answer these questions. Just like as I'm preparing for this upcoming messages I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to be speaking from the book of Corinthians and also from the book of Thessalonians. Two different churches, two different groups of people, with some similarities, some things, but the bottom line is they're all brothers and sisters in Christ, but Paul distinctively and specifically wrote to the church at Corinth and the church at Thessalonica, or the churches. I mean, we have to take that into account. Like, for for instance, the first letter to the Thessalonians in every one of the chapters is a reference to the second coming or the return of Jesus, which we're still looking for the return of Jesus, but there are things like this when, when you're reading them, you have to ask and answer the who, what, when, where and why. You, you got to ask, why is God why is God sharing this? Why is he speaking to these people and telling them what he's telling? What is God trying to say here? We may have a lot of questions, and I think that's great. And when we are studying God's Word, we should write the questions down and we should find answers to those questions. Now, I'm going to stop there for this moment in time, because I don't want to give you too much, too quick, too fast. I don't want to just throw things at you, but hopefully so far you have grasped stuff, what I would call just simple principles for good Bible study. And I'm going to talk about more things in in the upcoming days. We're just getting started here. And I was thinking to myself, boy, this series could be quite long. I may have to cut it off. Uh, But I'm going to give to you and bring to you as much as I can to help you, because I really do. I want you to understand that studying God's Word is of great value and importance. We can't flippantly do it. We can't just begin to just say, hey, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and just read through it, and all of a sudden we think that we know it all, and we got a hold of it. And i got to be honest with you, that's what happens today. So many people. Or, once again, they, they grab some type of study resource, and they come to the table like some great theologian and teacher, and they really don't know what the Scriptures say for themselves. They, they just don't know what they believe and why they believe it. They just They're just reading, or they're just saying what somebody else has said. Or, once again, somebody opposes them. Their child says, I don't believe in hell. Or the friend at work says, I think we're all going to a better place. Just a matter of time and the matter of which road we travel, but we're all going to be there. I could go on and on. You know what? I've said this before. Here's a big one. You know, know, I can see them right now in heaven with their angel wings. Do we get angel wings when we die? I, I mean, I could go on and on. But I want to help you so that you know what the truth is, so that when you're studying the Bible, you realize that there are passages that deal with death and what happens after someone dies, what takes place, what is eternity all about. And the answers are given to us. God tells us. But yet we don't take some obscure passage somewhere else and we create something. And we give it a meaning that has, well, it's not really what that meant in the first place. Once again, these are some of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want to help you to grow, to mature, to find security, but also to stand strong when the enemy comes and tries to lead you astray. You have any questions? Just email me, Marty Minto at gmail.com. That's Marty Minto at gmail.com. I truly, and I mean this sincerely, I want to hear from you. And I want to do my best to help you grow and become all that God wants you to be, which is ultimately like his son, Jesus Christ. Until next time, God bless.